are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. So I bring on guests who have a particular perspective or experience that I think expands the conversation about meaningful and productive work. And I often draw on the meaning of work research I've been doing over the last 15 years, as well as my own consulting experience, including the work that I do at Insignium today, which is a global management consulting firm. I'll get to the program in just a moment, but first a big... Thank you and shout out to my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. They are the leading locally focused job board in the nation, and they are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job peers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Great partnership. Thank you, Jobbing.com. Last week, if you missed the show live, we were on the air with Kimberly Davis. She's the founder and director of Onstage Leadership, which runs in New York City and Dallas. She is the author of the soon-to-be-released book called Brave Leadership, Unleash Your Most Confident, Authentic, and Powerful Self to Get the Results You Need. We talked about all of what it takes to go into being brave, what gets in the way of that, and more ways we can actually tap to get to our brave place in our leadership roles. And by the way, if you want to receive alerts in advance of my live radio radio show conversations to know what's coming, you can join my mailing list by visiting my website, which is just elisecortez.com, navigating to the blog tab, and then under my photo, entering your name and email address. So there's that. This week with us is Brittany Merrill Underwood, who is the CEO of Acola Project, a nonprofit social business designed to empower women in disadvantaged communities through training, employment, and holistic care. She is the recipient of numerous awards, including the Best Person of the World by Yahoo in 2014, and was honored by clothing manufacturer Levi as one of 50 women around the globe who have changed the political, cultural, and spiritual shape of the future. She joins us today from Dallas, Texas. Brittany, welcome to Working on. On purpose. Thank you so much. I'm excited to join your show. It's amazing to have you with me, and I really, really applaud the work that you've been doing. And when I think about somebody really working on purpose, Brittany, it certainly is you. So glad to come and have you share your your story, what you've been up to, and I really think that our listeners are going to be empowered by the work that you do. And by the way, Brittany, we happen to enjoy listenership literally all over the globe. So your message will will resonate all over the place. So you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. Well, I want to just get right into the work that you do, Brittany. I'd like it if you could just tell us a bit about the Ecola Project. Why did you found the organization, and what do you generally do in the organization? I think it's better if we we hear it from your mouth versus mine. Yeah, so this whole thing began um, back in 2004, um, about almost 14 years ago, and I was a sophomore at SMU, and I had promised two friends we'd spend summer together and we ended up in Uganda and I had never witnessed extreme poverty and I sadly just didn't you don't know what you don't know um and there was a whole world that I didn't know about um and I was uh I, I didn't really know how to process it and 
I got sick and was just sort of a, having a hard time. And I had a local, actually, pastor approach me in the community, and he said, I think you need to meet a woman, a Ugandan woman in our community who who I believe will inspire you. And I said, okay. So I followed him up this kind of windy dirt road to this um, shack on the outskirts of Uganda's capital city, Kampala. And it was there that I met a woman named Sarah. She was only, I think, but three years older than me at the time, um, but lived her life with just incredible meaning and purpose and kind of sacrificed everything she had to take care of street kids who were just wandering to her home. Um, she had no way to provide for them, but she gave them the little she did have. She actually would go hungry so they could eat. And I sort of sat back and thought, oh, my gosh, I've been, I've been given so much in my life and haven't done anything for anyone. And here's this woman who has hardly anything and and the little she has she's she's sharing with others so that so they can live and um that sort of shook me out of my complacency and began this journey which um at first was to build an orphanage home for the kids that slept on sarah's floor and um i graduated from smu in 2006 and moved to Uganda with three friends who put their post-college jobs on hold to kind of build this ambitious building project for orphan children in Sarah's community and um, started a COLA, which means she works while I was there. And what's really unique about a COLA is we kind of solve the same problem that orphanages solve, but in a more efficient way. After we put a lot of money into the orphanage project and sort of built it ground up, um, we realized there's got to be a more effective way to to do this, um, to care for disadvantaged kids and in a more sustainable way. And we learned that while we were living in Uganda, that if we could work through women, um, they wanted to keep these kids in their homes. They just didn't have the resources. They had the vision and the heart to do it. They just needed the opportunity. So by combining income-generating opportunities um, through our Cola Jewelry line um, that we started in 2007, um, still going today and excited to talk more about that, but combining living wage work opportunity and with kind of holistic educational and empowerment programs to teach women how to use that income to actually create meaningful change in their families and in, in their communities, um, they could could bring children out of poverty. And, and we've seen that today and excited to share with you later in the show how we expanded that effort that started in Uganda to Dallas, Texas for a local and global impact. So Brittany, you're gonna you're gonna do this to me, huh? You're gonna actually make me start crying first thing in the show, huh? That's how it's gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. I'm tickled so much to have you on the show, and I was wondering what Akola meant. So it means she works. You said. It does. Yes. Okay. Okay. And I did want to understand a little bit about it. If I heard you right, then this is your first quote job. Is that right? It's the only job I've had for 14 years now. I will say it's, 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 we have innovated and sort of reinvented what we do and who we are so many different times till we really, um, really found, you know, this model that we now operate um, out of uh, Ecola now that I almost feel like I've had 10 different jobs, but they've all been in the same, in the same one. So, uh, yeah, I've done this since I was 19 and I'm 33 now. 
Well, I want to applaud that, and I think there's going to be more than a few listeners out there that are incredibly jealous of you, because I get so many questions from listeners who say, Elise, I love hearing your show and hearing these people that are passionately connected to their work. They found their purpose, and I don't know what mine is. I've been looking and looking and looking, and I can't find it. And for you to be able to literally, right out of the gate, just go into the workforce and and find it and land it. Now, I'm not saying it was easy at all, Brittany. I know that it wasn't. But for our listeners to be able to hear, you know, that you were open, you, you let you, you let your heart respond to something, right? And that's, and you followed it and probably went against all odds and probably even advice that said, what are you doing, Brittany? What, what, why don't you go get a really great high paying job in corporate America or something that's going to pay big gobs of money instead? Did you get that kind of advice from anybody? Oh, yeah. I mean, I spent the majority of my 20s living in East African villages. So, I mean, my friends left. Um, I was at SMU in, um, in Dallas, and, and, you know, they left, and they were in New York and San Francisco and, you know, having a great time. <laughs> and I, was, I had God knows how many different types of sicknesses that I got You know, sometimes didn't have running water, electricity, and um, just, learning the hard way in so many ways, um, which our first project, the orphanage project, just we, we just learned so much, um, which actually helped us build this new model that we kind of stand on today at Ecola. But um, yeah, I had a lot of people. I mean, my family, they were like, you're going to be there for six months, right? And then it turned into a year and then two years, three, four. And then finally, I think they surrendered and I surrendered to this is the rest of my life. Like this is, this is a calling and a, and a passion, but it was interesting. I didn't have a passion for it. I discovered my passion um, while kind of committing to something that was really hard. Because if you would have asked me at 19, what do you want to do this? I would have, I wouldn't even have known what this was or, but I certainly wouldn't have said I'm going to run a nonprofit um, or a nonprofit social enterprise in our case. And, um, but I, never would have told you I would have spent my 20s in East Africa after my first summer there. I thought, well, great experience, and I learned a lot, but I'm never going back, you know, kind of thing. And 14 years later, yeah, I am. Um, so I, I discovered it through committing to something that was right and true and, 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 and to something that was for others. Um, it was so not about me, and I think that's, that's kind of what carried me through this um, entire journey is it was always about these women, these kids, and I I sort of lost myself in this process, and I think um, in a great way, um, where it was about them, and that gave me the passion and perseverance um, to continue to commit to it, and then through it, I found this incredible passion for the work. I discovered it in the work that I do. Mm. Two things, if I can, to that. Um, Brittany. So first, I want to be able to acknowledge to the listeners that, you know, sometimes finding our route to passion isn't convenient. I mean, and so your whole notion of committing to something that's much bigger than you, I think, really speaks to that. And really all that you went through, getting sick all those months and probably years living in probably what we could call third world countries um, is not for the faint of heart. And so I want our listeners to get that sometimes in route or as we discover looking for our purpose, um, it's not an easy path. Um, right. Well, yeah, and, and well, and I think often you're like, "What am I doing?" <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Whose idea days, was this again? Yeah. 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 So, when we started selling a cola jewelry, I mean, when we came up with the idea in 2007, after we were working on this orphanage project, of hey, maybe a better way to um, 
you know, help kids is, is by empowering their moms, these women who, who want to take care of them and don't have the resources. And the social business movement didn't exist. Like, we, we are so lucky to, to have been on the cusp of it. Like, we, we that was by chance. Um, and all I knew then was this is a better way, and, and I'm committed to it. And we picked jewelry because, you know, we looked at all of these local you know, ways women can start businesses and they were just so cut off from the global economy that we thought if we could create a product, the women could make it and we could sell it in the States and 100% of the money went back to them. Like, that's, you know, how we could do this. And we picked Jory at the time and and this is later in the story, but we're we're the first nonprofit to ever retail in the luxury space and we sell in every single Neiman Marcus store now and they hate it when I say this, but the little thought that went into our line that's now in every single store at Neiman Marcus um, was that Dory was easy to ship and we had some friends who had boutiques and thought maybe they'd sell it to help support these women. And so I never knew it was going to turn into this. I never knew it was going to become the passion and purpose of my life. I just knew there were women and kids who had needs and I felt a burden at first, which wasn't even which is interesting. It wasn't even passion or compassion. It was more of a burden of, oh my gosh, there's this woman. She's taking care of these kids. They're not eating. Like, what can I do? And I feel like I have to do something. Um, but in committing to it, I found my purpose and passion. And um, I think sometimes you have to take that risk and kind of jump into the unknown to do something that you know may just start out as a burden and not a passion at all. And then years later, you discover this actually is my passion and is mm-hmm. my purpose. Mm-hmm. That is brilliant advice, Brittany, to really just kind of jump in. It, it almost sounds like the cart before the horse. And, and that kind of got me to the second thing I was thinking about when you spoke earlier. And that was this whole thing that you're about empowering women and certainly the children. And so I understand that you're certainly doing that in Uganda. Are you, and that, by the way, I wanted, the reason that I wanted to talk about that is because frankly, it's a, it's a real passion of mine. And I do speak to a lot of women audiences about, you know, being empowered and what can we do to empower each other? My question for you is beyond Uganda, is, is that your focus for empowering women or do you do that in other aspects and other places as well? Yeah, I've kind of realized I, I have this, um, uh, really cool seminar. I do some work with the Bush Presidential Center here in Dallas, and they have this great women's initiative. And I was actually um, part of a mentorship class that helped mentor Tunisian women that came into the country. And we were sort of helping them discover, like, what is their passion and purpose? And in doing that, they had to kind of create this purpose statement for their life. And it was actually the first time I even did that, which is funny. Sometimes when you're in a mentor role, you end up becoming Mm -hmm. (laughs) a beneficiary of, you know, and learning more than maybe you could even teach. But, and I, and I thought, well, what's my, what would be my purpose statement? And it's funny. I I realized it was um, empowering women to become agents of transformation in their families and communities. And that's, that's in every area of my life. Like, I, I mean, for COLA, my passion is to unlock the potential that women, I think it's God given, you know, that they, sometimes you've, you've gone through some hard stuff and you don't realize how much you're capable of and, and how you, you are actually designed to create change, not just to survive, not just to go through life, but to transform, to change. And um, I've seen that unlocked in, in the women that we work with in Uganda and also the women um, coming out of poverty that we now work with in Dallas or our Neiman Marcus partnership as well. And um, But I also see that in, I mean, um, our staff and, and even our customers. When someone comes into our cola store in Dallas, we have a... Uh, 
bookstore and, uh, and University Park and, um, we, we have people come in and suddenly they're like, oh my gosh, like I can be a part of this by buying jewelry and help other people and share the word and help these women. And suddenly in them, I see something unlocked and I teach a course at SMU and helping students realize what their passion is and how they can create unique business plans to, you know, help, help, you know, find their passion and live it out in creative ways. Suddenly that's unlocked. And, um, and, and that's happened to me through this journey. I've realized I'm so much more than I thought I can give the world so much more than I ever thought I was capable of. And that's been unlocked in me as well. And so it's funny how it just kind of carries through (laughs) every part of your life. It's wonderful, Brittany. And I think that what you just said about having that purpose statement, I have one too. Mine is passionately uplifting humanity through provoking insight and empowering growth. And it, it does go everywhere across my life. And I love the fact that you could articulate yours the way that you did. And it's so, that you can stand in that space. It's awesome. So I love that you also gave that to our listeners too. They can look and find their own passion and purpose statement. Um, we're about ready to go on the first break already. So before we do, let me let me get let me get to this other stuff about the the impact that your organization has been up to. Um, I was amazed and blown away, Brittany, that I understand your organization has helped drill twenty three clean water wells in Uganda. Would love to understand how did that work come about and how was it related to the work that you're doing to empower women and get them out of poverty. Yeah, it's so funny. So many people just know us through our jewelry. Um, they yeah, see that yep. at Neiman Marcus and online, and um, we have price points from $5 to $500, and we, so we're in a lot of different uh, categories. And, and they, see, they I think, know that we help give women um, a work opportunities. Often they don't even know it's at a living wage. So here in Dallas, that's $15 an hour, which is pretty awesome. But what makes us really unique and special is the incredible work that we do um, and the development efforts for these women. So everything from building infrastructure for economic opportunity for women in Uganda, we built three training centers ground up because women had no place to work. They were working in the dirt in front of their, you know, full mud hut church when we started and, and, you know, they didn't have a, a, a decent place to work. So we built training centers and women were spending so much time fetching water that they couldn't go to work because they didn't have clean water. So they didn't have the time. And so we thought if we start drilling wells in these different communities, you know, we can help women um, kind of gain back that time. And, and so we've, we've built that infrastructure and drilled wells in eastern and northern Uganda. And we also have um, a suite of holistic programming that all of our women can access called a COLA Academy. Um, and it's this really unique effort where women can take classes in our program in every development category and maternal health and family strengthening and gender-based violence and savings and loans and business creation to help them, again, learn how to use their income to create meaningful change um, for themselves and for others. So we're really proud of that. And I think that's something a lot of people don't know that um, makes us really unique. And that's why we are a nonprofit and run a business through that framework is we want all of our profits reinvested in efforts like that. Beautiful, Brittany, and a great way to take us into our first break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We're on the air with Brittany Merrill Underwood, who is the CEO of the Ecola Project. It's a nonprofit social business designed to empower women in disadvantaged communities throughout through training, employment, and holistic care. She joined us today from Dallas, Texas. We've been talking a bit about how she got into this business and how it really is her purpose and her passion. After the break, we're going to talk more in depth about how it is that she raises her revenues through jewelry sales. Stay with us.
Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. If you're ready for big changes in less than one month's time, You're ready to tune in for Radical Change Now with Dr. Mary Oz. It's where healing meets the law of attraction in an engaging package. You'll hear from guests and callers as they share their stories, offer solutions to life's challenges, and much more. With Dr. Mary's approach, even a child could effectively learn and apply the concepts discussed on each week's show. Listen live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's one 346 9141 You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Brittany Merrill Underwood, who has made an extraordinary impact through her dedication over the last 14 years to transform the lives of impoverished women and families through the Ecola Project, a nonprofit social business designed to empower women in disadvantaged communities through training, employment, and holistic care. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, Brittany, you and I were chatting a little bit on the break, that I want, and I wanted to be able to cue this up for our listeners because I think it's important. You mentioned something about the, the, the actual ACOLA programming. Would you say a little bit more about that for us? Yeah, um, when we were talking about, you know, just the goal, um, purpose of my life, and also the goal of ACOLA is to, you know, empower women to become agents of transformation in their families and communities, so much of that goes beyond programming and beyond the infrastructure investment. Um, and even beyond our training and opportunities we offer, it's, it's how we do it so often that makes it empowering or disempowering for women. Um, so something else that's been pretty unique about ACOLA and I think um, it's really beautiful is um, we not only, you know, train women in all of these different areas and offer them courses, but the way we do it is participatory. So we actually train them to teach these courses um, and they can kind of grow in leadership and sort of unlock their potential to become the trainers and teachers. So instead of us sort of imparting knowledge that we think, you know, we, we know what that even is in Uganda to address all of these different areas of their lives, we um, work with them to develop a curriculum and train them to teach it. So 
they're sort of becoming an army of development practitioners in their own right with, with the ability to, to train and teach others. And I think that's what makes something empowering or disempowering. Sometimes it's not even um, what you do, it's, it's, it's how you do it. Mm-hmm. That sounds like, you know, teaching a fish philosophy, teaching how to fish philosophy, kind of, Yes. Yes, versus just absolutely. giving the fish. Yes. Okay, good. I, I, I so applaud that, and I appreciate that. I mean, years ago, I had the chance to live in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and I studied what, what, what was happening there and really wanted to be part of the efforts to be able to empower and be participatory, as you were saying, in, in the efforts to, to develop. So I get that, and I just really applaud that. Brittany, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's get at what what I think is maybe the heart of how you drive your results to make an impact for women, and 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 that is really the creation and sale of jewelry, if I understand it. So, I yeah. heard you say that you you know maybe kind of stumbled on this idea, and it made sense because it was light to ship, et cetera. But help us understand how did you get the idea to actually make jewelry and uh, make that be the financial driver of your organization? Yeah, so, I mean, it was close by chance, which, again, is, is so ironic <laughs> because we've built this pretty successful business um, that kind of fuels our impact um, for Cola. And, um, you know, when we were wrapping up the orphanage project, we, um, you know, were thinking of ways we could have an impact without having to spend, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars on a building and then having to raise that every year. How could we do that sustainably? And um, we there was a group of women where we were working and they were rolling newspaper beads and selling them in little shops in their town and sort of had the idea of like, what if we could actually design these well? What if we could, you know, turn paper into basically gemstones? And <laughs> what if there were these local um, techniques that were already here that we could build on to, to create a really unique product and product line and um, that was sort of the initial idea and I mean I, I can't even pretend that it started out well we used wood varnish so for any of you listeners who had our story back in 2007 I'm apologizing now <laughs> we didn't know we didn't know and uh, we had wood varnish on the beads they had dirt in them because women were making them on the ground and you know they were certainly a charity purchase and I, but I think we learned pretty quickly um, and that's what I think has kind of set us apart from other organizations who were doing this at the time was if we we don't if we don't figure out how to do this in a high quality way with high design, then this thing is never going to work, and we're not going to be able to support any women. Um, and we work with um, close to 500 women now, so that's <laughs> pretty. We have a, have a lot of distribution channels to, to make that happen and work. And so I think we we really not only prioritized our mission, but also were realistic that if we didn't have a high quality product, that we could produce with volume and, and really great designs like this thing, again, was never going to work. So we created unique designs, and it's funny, our classic collection, if you go on our website today, our collar necklace and our demi necklace, they're still two of our best sellers, and they were our best sellers seven years ago. And, and we just designed, you know, these unique products that um, still, if you're wearing them, um, you know, someone, you could be in an airport in Chicago and someone would say, oh my gosh, is that a Nicola necklace? Like they just, um, it, it, they're branded well. Um, and so I think we, we learned that and put that into action and kind of uh, created these unique designs where we combined kind of paper beads, horn, bone, local Anacoli cow horn and bone. Um, don't worry. I always have to preface this when we talk about horn and bone. They're cow horn and bone. So <laughs> these are recycled materials that would otherwise be in the garbage. And we've repurposed 
them into beautiful beads that our women create um, that sell in our jewelry line. And what's been really fun about that is when we expanded to Dallas, which I'll talk a little bit about now because that um, really kind of jives with the evolution of our product line, um, we were selling in 2014, we were selling in several hundred um, boutiques across the country and had some national accounts and um, the business was growing. Um, and we had a incredible community leader in Dallas um, ask us, why is this not in our city? You know, and it was funny because I was thinking, well, it's not in your city because this is something that works in agrarian villages in Uganda. I don't know how it would possibly work in an urban context in in, in America, but actually that's an interesting point. Like, I wonder, you know, if, if there's a chance this could work here. And she said, well, here's the deal. Our foundation supports all these great nonprofits that are rehabilitating women in Dallas who've been formerly incarcerated, sexually trafficked, I mean, women in poverty, and they were going back to prostitution, back to poverty, back to jail, even though they had these great programs because they just didn't have an economic alternative. They had no pathway to employment. Um, and because they had been so highly marginalized, you couldn't just throw these women into a job transition program. Like, they needed flexible hours so they could continue to heal. They needed people to believe in them and kind of hold their hand through their first work opportunity, and that's something we believed we could offer. And so we did this pilot in Dallas, and, I mean, everything worked, basically, Um, except for living wage, because we were still having the women make our mass market products um, that sold for under $100 that we sell on our website and in our store. And we wanted women to make a $15 living wage in Dallas. Um, So that's when we pitched this to Neiman Marcus. And I had a 10-minute meeting with the CEO of Neiman's, and Dallas and said, hey, look, we've got all of these nonprofits in in Dallas who want to refer women to us in their program who need a job, and we want to put 100 women to work. And in order to do that at a $15 an hour living wage, we've got to sell more expensive jewelry. Like, would you help? And uh, no Mm. one knows this about Neiman Marcus, but, I mean, they are incredible, and their CEO is one of the most amazing women I've ever met. Um, And she said, you know what? Let's do it. And we'll help you along the way. And they launched us in every single store nationwide in 2016. And I didn't realize until a little bit later that it's really unprecedented for them to launch a new brand through their store. And what made that jewelry so unique, and that's really the time, you know, when our brand that had been in boutiques across the country really hit the national stage. And um, they they helped kind of get us there. And, and what made those products unique is we just combined all of these beautiful beads that our women were making in Uganda with kind of higher-end gemstones and pearls, um, and they were all fully assembled in Dallas, so it had that local impact um, and to make that product. So we had this unique product line that still looked like a cola, but it was more elevated and expensive, and that really took the jewelry line to the next level and I think um, allowed us to fuel our business to help so many more women. And just one year in our partnership with Neiman's, we had 107 women in Dallas go through our program and about 400 women in Uganda. So it was, it was an exciting impact. And that's kind of how the, the product and um, kind of our, our business has evolved. I think that is what we call brilliant problem solving is what I would call that. Just plain brilliant problem solving. And the fact that you were able to really enlist the the heart and soul of Neiman Marcus is incredible. Um, Do you have any other sales outlets? I think you sell on your own website and then through Neiman Marcus. Any other sales outlets? We do. We um, actually sell in local boutiques still around the country. So we are all of our products, $295 and up, are exclusive to Neiman Marcus. So we exclusively sell through every Neiman Marcus store. 
online and catalog every distribution channel for them. Um, and they have an exclusive on those elevated products. But anything under $295 is sold in our store um, in Holland Park and Snyder Plaza in Dallas. We have a store um, online. We have great online sales. So definitely go visit our website. It's a great kind of guilt-free <laughs> purchase of when you yes. need to buy gifts or teacher's gifts or holiday presents. Um, you can do that, and, and 100% of our profits as a nonprofit are reinvested in our mission. So it, it's the same as giving a donation, which is pretty exciting. Um, but then also, we we sell in these amazing boutiques around the country. So, you know, if you're in, um, you know, different places, Monkeys and Copper Penny and these great boutique chains that have, you know, worked with us for years, Wisteria and their national catalog as well as their stores. And, uh, yeah, a lot of great kind of mom-and-pop stores that were the first ones to adopt our mission. We're still retailing in those as well. Mm. Well, I I find it, it's when I listen to you talk, and I, I mean this from both the, the standpoint of those in Uganda as well as those people here in Dallas, I find it a little more than compelling that the creative hands of women are literally powering the revenue of this project. I, there's something about that when I first looked at you as a business that I found really compelling. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been it's incredible, and I think what what is so fun about Acola and and really being the first brand that's kind of hit this level of scale um, that gives a hundred percent back. Not ten, not one percent, not five percent, not one for one, but transparently as a nonprofit, all of our revenues go back into just fueling our social mission um, to help more and more women in need. And I think um, it's, it's so neat when you buy the necklace, you're like, oh, my gosh, all of these beads are made by women in Uganda. It's assembled in Dallas. Even their, our distribution centers run as a second chance job program. So even the way our products are packaged makes an impact on women's lives. And then all of that money goes back. Like, it's just a great feeling. It's a huge impact. And women are touching our products and their lives are change, changed at every single point of our value chain. I did want to distinguish that for our listeners, if we can, Brittany. So I, 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 I certainly have read and understood that 100% of your revenues go back. Um, Not I just thought profits, it, revenues, yeah. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's different than profit. So can it you really crisp that up for our listeners so they really understand what you're doing, please? This is, is amazing. Yeah, so actually, and people are just blown away when they realize there's products at Neiman's that do this or you know, and, and the kind of stores that we're selling and, and with the quality. But we are fully a nonprofit. We do not have a business subsidiary. We run the business through a nonprofit framework. So when you buy a cola jewelry, it's the exact same thing as if you gave us a donation, which is pretty amazing that so you can feel really great about the purchase you made. But all of that goes back, all of the revenues, not just the profit. All of the revenues go back into our mission um, to help more women in need. So, again, if you if you buy a Nicola necklace, it's the same thing if you gave $25 to Red Cross or to United Way or um, the same thing. So, it's you get a beautiful product and um, you get to transform women's lives in a fully transparent way. Well, I'm going to park that for just a second because I do want to get more into your actual business model and, and, and peel that back a little bit more. So I'll save my other set of questions that are going to come to that in just a second. And I do want to get um, a little bit more at this whole second chance job program that you mentioned earlier. I don't know if that's related to what you said before about the women that you were helping who had maybe been in, in through trafficking situations. Would you help distinguish that for us? 
the Second Chance yeah, Drop so we, Start Program. We give women work opportunity um, in Uganda and seven different villages in northern and eastern Uganda um, through either making the beads that go into our jewelry or assembling our necklaces or packaging them and distributing them. Um, and here in Dallas, we give women a second chance job program, their, their, their first work opportunity coming out of tough situations. And they are able to assemble our jewelry for Neiman Marcus at an average of a $15 an hour living wage, which is pretty amazing. Um, and then they also have a chance to kind of grow in leadership and work in our distribution center um, where they can learn kind of hard skills like inventory management and customer service. And we're also trying to create a pathway where they can work in our store as well so they can kind of grow up through our program or transition to another work opportunity. And once they've kind of gained their confidence back, they've they've kind of seen the value of generating income and what it can do for their family and will help them transition um, into something that they're really passionate about. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a... The second chance job program for women in Dallas, and it's it's the only work opportunity for for these women we work with in Uganda. It's a little bit different in both places. Okay, so Brittany, hold on, just hold on. I, I heard you talk about this before, but I didn't catch it then. So here's what I think is brilliant about that particular point: is not only are you really empowering transition in women in Uganda, but back here in your own backyard in Dallas to women who have gone through horrific situations and just may not have any access to somebody who can give them a chance. And I, I am now even further blown away by you and your organization that I can see that you're really working on both ends of the spectrum. It's, it's really, really amazing. Well, it's it's all because of our partnership with Neiman. So our entire Neiman Marcus line, which is in every single one of their stores online and catalog, it's fully assembled by women in Dallas. So um, it's, it's offered huge opportunities. Again, 107 women went through our program just this past calendar year. Um, And yeah, it functions more as a second chance job program here. So we're really just looking to help women have that first work opportunity and get them back into the workforce in Dallas, whereas in Uganda, we are the only opportunity. And so women generally stay in our program for years and years because there's there's no other place they can generate income. And so, um, yeah, both are equally as important um, for each place. So it strikes me when I think about what must go into being able to support those women. And you mentioned, you know, even just being able to care for them and hear their stories and give them, you know, even just emotional support. I can't even imagine what it must, what the crew that it takes to be able to yes. provide that program <laughs> and the different kinds of skills yes. that it takes to be able to do that. It does. Um, well, and that's why, you know, we, so many people, when we started to grow rapidly, they said, why don't you take a part of this for profit? You could tap into venture capital, you could get, you know, better financing. And, um, you know, also they said, look, like on, on my side, I've worked for this for 14 years and I spent my life building this and I'll never have any equity in the company because it's a nonprofit and all of it goes back to our mission and I'll never have any ownership even. Um, and there'll never be this kind of exit where I can kind of cash out on anything that I've done. It's, it's, it's really just for the women. And, um, and we, we've intentionally structured it that way. And it's, it's, it's pretty unique. And um, there's not many, um, certainly no retailers at our scale um, as a nonprofit, you know, competing in, in, in these kind of larger retailers. And that's why we're the first to be able to, to say, hey, it's same as a donation, 100% of our revenue goes back into our mission to help more women, which is, which is really exciting. 
It is exciting, and I do want to talk more about that after this break. And here we are, just in time. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Brittany Merrill Underwood, who is the CEO of the Ecola Project. It's a nonprofit social business designed to empower women in disadvantaged communities through training, employment, and holistic care. She joins us today from Dallas, Texas. After the break, we're going to get more into her business model and how it scales and how she how she's inspiring other initiatives through it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Are you ready to tackle the rules of business? You may think you're doing everything by the book, following your own best practice beliefs, bringing in endless consultants, only to find that your business is not moving forward. That's where you need to stop and figure out where things are going wrong. Enter Business Rules with host Peter Feinstein. Peter and his guests will break it all down for you to help you and your business succeed. Listen Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. The White House Doctor Makes House Calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Brittany Merrill Underwood, who has made an extraordinary impact through her dedication over the last 14 years to transform the lives of impoverished women and families through the Ecola Project. It's a nonprofit social business designed to empower women in disadvantaged communities through training, employment, and holistic care. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So for this last bit of time together here, Brittany, I really want to make sure that our, our listeners understand your, your business model and how you've been able to scale it. And I know there are people out there who have some semblance of business knowledge and savvy here saying, hold on just a second, 100% of your revenues, how in the world do does Brittany eat? How does she put a roof over her head? How does she take care of her staff? So um, would you help distinguish for us how you do that? 
Yeah. So what's great is um, in deciding to keep our entire business in the nonprofit frameworks, that 100% of our our revenues and profits um, go back in pushing our social mission forward. So that includes operating costs for our business and our nonprofit. But the way we're able to make that work is we actually raise donations as a nonprofit to fund all of our social services. So that's why we can do it in so many different categories, maternal health and family strengthening and small business creation, water wells, training centers. And we raise the money to do that part of the work we do. Um, And our donations are restricted to our social services. And then our business, what's really great about jewelry is you can mark it up. So we're able to kind of mark up in our cost of goods um, the jewelry and be able to cover our operational costs as well as the living wage employment for women, as well as our ability and capacity to kind of grow it to help more women in need. So it's a pretty unique model. It's, it's, it's a hybrid. Um, but within one organizational structure. And it's interesting because I really believe it's kind of the nonprofit of the future um, because we have a pathway to self-sustainability as a nonprofit. We have an earned income stream. There's a certain threshold, and I think it's at $10 million in revenue um, that we can fund all of our social service programs as well through our profits because we won't have shareholders since we're a nonprofit. Um, so it's really exciting on that side. And on, if you're wearing your business hat, it's really exciting because we're sort of the first in, in, in this, um, again, at this scale that reinvest all of our profits in our mission versus just, you know, giving back 1% or 1% or 1 for 1 or 5 or 10. Um, we can reinvest all of the revenues and profits that we have to further our mission, um, which means it just grows and grows and grows. So that's kind of the, the structure. So technically, if you're total dork like I am, and I love social innovation, our exact organizational structure is we're a nonprofit with a mission-related enterprise. So that would be kind of structurally, but we're very much just a 501c3. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. I have a few more things that I want to peel back about how you scaled and such, but I, I want to get to this notion here that when I think about you know, what impact you're having on some of the students that both you and I touch. And as we both said earlier, um, we teach at the Southern Methodist University. And I, I I know that this high impact hybrid model that you've been working through is also really having an impact on the millennial population coming into the workforce. They see this yeah. as, wow, that's something that I could do. Um, that's you are literally shedding light on a possibility, a, a business framework that I think is probably very appealing to that to that generation. So, can you speak a bit to any organizations that maybe have been that have been inspired by your model that are out there that you know of? Is there or is students that you that you know of that have done something kind of similar? Yeah, a lot. There's actually a great new everyone should check it out. Um, Vickery Trading Company, and they do children's clothes, and they um, are able to employ um, women refugees in Dallas through doing that. And um, she came to me when she was starting at the social business, and she said, "I just don't know what to do. Should it be a for profit or a non profit?" And I kind of sent her some Stanford Social Innovation Review articles that like help you think through what are your goals? Is your mission your most important thing? Is it is it sort of your primary primary motivation or is it your secondary motivation and how do you, you know, decide what organizational structure, which means so much, it, it really determines where your, where your revenues go. Um, and, and she ended up deciding to do it as a nonprofit and 
the, the greatest struggle we've had and, and what's hard about having a rapidly growing business <laughs> within a nonprofit framework, if you look at Goodwill, they're a highly profitable nonprofit. Um, they're the same structure we are, but they don't have a rapidly growing retail business. Um, <laughs> they're kind of sort of at the whims of in that framework. So our biggest hurdle was how do we get the capital to grow? Because obviously, you know, our business is, is, is making money, but not enough money to kind of facilitate a full Neiman Marcus launch, right? And we could have raised money and donations to kind of build capacity for that, but we also wanted to restrict those to our social services so our donors really knew where their money went. So there's this new thing called impact investing, and it's something we've totally tapped into, and our model wouldn't be possible without this sort of explosion in the social finance space. But it's where philanthropists, as well as banks and and, and others, are saying, how can we actually use our capital to make investments in organizations that have a social impact. And so we've done that through impact investments structured as low-interest loans. So when we expanded into Neiman's, we had this incredible bank um, come to us, and they said, you're never going to be able to do this without financing. And we said, but we're a nonprofit. We, you know, we, we can only take on debtor donations. And they said, okay, well, we're going to give you this capital, repay it in five years, and they did it at 0.07% interest. So we're wow. just repaying the principal, which is incredibly generous because they knew and they wanted to help us achieve our mission and they knew we wanted to, you know, reinvest that money into our, um, into our, into our mission to help more women. And so, um, we've kind of grown that way. So, um, it's, it's been, I kind of, sometimes I explain it to people. I feel like we're going up Mount Everest with a toothpick. <laughs> we are trying to grow a business with, with very little resources um, because we want it to go back to the right place and we have limited um, ability to access capital because of the organizational structure we're in. But we've been able to make it work um, and it's never stopped us from saying yes to big opportunities. Um, so again, I love inspiring students and others to kind of think in bigger ways and say it's possible to kind of take the best of nonprofit and the best of the business world and then to harness, you know, capital markets to create change and, and how do you do that? And you can come up with a lot of creative ways to kind of blend those to have a high impact. Your business acumen is is, is quite impressive. Um, it, it reminds me that I probably should have asked you, why, were you a business major at SMU or communication? What was your, what <laughs> was your major? Regret. I was a journalism major. So. No, okay, that's amazing. It's really even more impressive. <laughs> Um, Thank you. Uh, I went back and got my master's degree in international development, but I, I still, yeah, I've had to learn as as I go. And I've had incredible advisors. Our board chair is um, Kip Tendall, the former CEO and founder of Container Store. And he kind of was one of the pioneers of the ca- conscious capitalism movement with his actual roommate in college, John Mackey, who started Whole Foods. And they started this idea of businesses that also care about people. And, and give back. And why he became our board chair is he said, y'all are doing something even more incredible. You're creating a business to give back, not just a business, creating a business and thinking about how can I give back also, which is also incredible. But um, what we're trying to create with our new model is um, a business that's only purpose is to give back. That's why it's created um, and, and sort of harnessing, um, you know, capital markets to to propel a mission forward. Um, and it's been really exciting and that we've just kind of learned as we go, but had incredible mentors that have helped us kind of think through all of this really well and really blessed to have that. 
I really appreciate that, right? We really have to be able to to get a, a hand up from people who have skills and abilities and temperaments and, and qualities that complement and, and extend our own. And I think that's brilliant that you've been able to tap such incredible sources to help you with that, Brittany. That makes even more sense to me. Um, we're almost out of time, so I want to get two more things out of you if I can before we dash. Um, one, I, I'm really wondering how in the world, um, and this is, I know it's probably uh, too much to ask in this amount of time, but just scaling your business. I mean, you, I think you said something about, what did you say, 500 or something stores or anyway, I want to understand how it is that you've been able to scale this production to be able to have the impact and the reach that you, that you've had. Yeah, we're really lucky that we started to grow. I mean, the Neiman Marcus opportunities when we really took off. Um, and, I mean, we were growing slow and steady up till then. I mean, it was really one foot in front of the other and adding new stores and boutiques every year. But Neiman's really put us on the map, and we became a top 10 jewelry brand at Neiman Marcus in our first season. So that really <laughs> propelled us forward and was very exciting. Um, but how we've been able to scale is we built an incredible infrastructure. Um, you know, we, I worked for, you know, 10 years to put these pieces together. And I remember like year three or four, there were some other organizations that started when we did and they really took off. And I remember thinking like, gosh, like we're doing great stuff. Like why isn't, you know, this is just going slow and it's not, you know, taking off like they are and they're not around anymore. Um, and I realized the reason for that is they grew before they were ready to grow. Um, and before they had that kind of crucial infrastructure in place to do it well. And I think we were really blessed that when we got the Neiman's opportunity, um, we we had already, you know, we'd been on the ground in Uganda for, you know, 10 years at that time. Um, and we were able to build on what we knew to create an even bigger impact. Okay. So distribution channel makes a huge difference. Totally get that. Um the next thing I want to ask you is, you know, when I think about what you've already done, you're 33 years old and you've already had an incredible impact uh, across the world now. Um, but I am curious. I mean, I'm somebody who's been investigating how people experience meaning in their work and their lives for years. I'm writing a book about that. I host this show. What is it that you ache to do in the, the time on the planet? What's next for you as you continue along? so committed to this mission and I, I would love to see it grow and and I mean I, people ask all the time are y'all going to stay in Uganda and in Dallas you know are you going to are you going to grow outside of that and I'm so passionate about how, helping women start businesses in their own country that they locally own and run and I think we can help do that through our supply chain and encourage other businesses to start up and give them buying power and um, you know help them get on their feet and and really tap into the global market. And so I just see this growing and growing, and I'm, I'm committed to this. Um, and I, I remember I had a mentor of mine in Uganda after the orphanage project, and we had learned some hard lessons through that. And I just said, like, what am I even doing? I feel like I'm hurting more than helping. I was 25 years old and a little bit disillusioned. And he said, Brittany, that's a problem with your generation. You never stick to something, right? Something's hard, and you just bounce to the next thing. And he was like, I challenge you to commit to this country. You know, you're 25 now. You've been working here for, you know, six years. What, what, if, what if you committed to this country? What would you be doing at 60, 65, 70? You know, what kind of change could you have then and how much will you have learned? And, and I, I, there's so much value to that, to, to committing to something and to continuing to innovate and make it better and help it grow. Um, and I, I'm committed to that, and I really see that as, as, as my, my purpose in life, and, um, and it's my passion. 
Talk about taking constructive criticism well, Brittany. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> um, okay, well, I always like to give my, my guest, if you will, a bit of the last word here. So we're down to the close of the show. So say, you know, in about 30 seconds here. So knowing this show is all about helping listeners across the globe more meaningfully and, co- and productively connect with their work, what would you like to leave the listeners with today? I would just say, I mean, again, I think I've learned this through this journey is um, – we are so much more than we know. The women that I work with are so much more than they know. I think every person who's listening to this, there's so much inside you um, that can change the world and, and transform and create. Um, and I think just dive in, you know, take that risk, you know, take that first step of faith and, um, and don't be afraid and stay committed and persevere and amazing things can happen. Um, and so just, um, I've seen that with so many people. And again, women in our program who come through some of the most difficult situations, just, um, sort of this rebirth where they're, you know, um, unlocking their potential in, in, in the world. And it's amazing to see. And, um, I've experienced that and just hope everyone on this radio show has the courage to do that as well. Wonderful way to finish, Brittany. I want to thank you so very much for joining me on the program. It has been an absolute privilege to have you here and hear your story. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you want to learn more about Brittany Merrill Underwood and the work she and her team are doing at the Acola Project, visit their website. It is acolaproject.org. So that's A-K-O-L-A project.org. Next week, we'll be on the air with Tahar Ali and hear about his incredible life story and his message about failing our way to success. So see you then. Remember that work is at least one third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.